0: Welcome to the text in us podcast. I'm your host, George Fricks, and I'm here with my co-host, El Grover Fricks, to resume our discussions in Exodus with a mailbox episode.
1: That's right. We've got some questions and responses. Exodus is great because it has this little break before it gets back into the narrative. So we're going to have a little stroll around learning what to do if your servant gets gored in the eyeball. You know, important stuff.
0: Yeah. And, (laughs) you know, we haven't had a mailbox episode in a while. And so I wanted to get to these before they piled up too deep.
1: Yeah. Y'all have been waiting. So here are some great questions. All right. Our first question is from Louis or Louis or um, Luis. Hard to say, but thanks for sending in a question. Um, And he wants to know if I could share um, what I'm using as my primary text, i.e. what version of the BHS I'm using. Um, I'm using the BHS um, 1997 as my primary source. Um, There you go, Insider Baseball. And then he wants to know the pedagogical framework for my Hebrew. So I'm largely informed by uh, the wonderful faculty of Hebrew University of Jerusalem, Um, who taught me how to approach grammar, vocabulary, syntax, all of those good things. Um, I learned from a variety of professors over there, but primarily Barack Dan, and you can read his amazing Hebrew research online. Um, But as part of that, he asked what primary guides and references I'm drawing from, and then a whole bunch of acronyms for all of them. The ones that I like to reference the most when we're chatting um, in this podcast-
0: For the chit-chat.
1: For the chit-chat are the ones that are available to most people for free. So that's a specific poll by me because I want our listeners to be able to engage with the things I'm saying independently on their own and go check yep. the things. Um and so BDB, um the Brown Driver Briggs is um, one that i reference a lot Jacenius i reference a lot um Good old strong's, <laughs> yes strongs we reference although often with a fair um tablespoon and a half of shade yes um, and to
0: be clear strongs did important work for his time he sure did we've just he's, expanded our knowledge
1: yeah since well yeah he just didn't have the best foundation of um philology that he was building off of he's just counting Go go yep. him, yep. pre-Google And he Sheets. does a great job. He does. Um, so that's why I like to reference them um, so often because I know that people are able to go and dig around for themselves and see what I'm talking about. But of course I have my own stack of favorites that I also use. So I have a um, Akkadian um, Hebrew lexicon that pulls Akkadian sources for me. Um, some of that research is newer and it's very helpful. Um, stuff that those folks didn't know so much about. Um, The H-A-L-O-T, Robert Alter, all of those guys um, are in my primary use. Yeah, Yeah. my primary use shelf that's in the dining room rather than in the office with all the other reference texts. Those are the ones that are close at hand for me. But... That's the insider baseball. His second question, though, is have you considered bringing on someone who can do more rigorous peer review with me, as in someone who's done um, more of their master's work than George's? He also says very nice things about George, so I don't think um, he is cheating George in any way.
0: Yeah, none taken.
1: Here's the response, though. I do have colleagues, peers, friends, who have at least took the same classes as me, maybe not quite. the same interests um, and line of research as me Um, but certainly people who could read along with me the problem with um, the problem with calling on them to come and hang out with us is that generally um, with such a comprehensive project like the one that we've been doing for the past few years um, it takes a lot of time it's a very long project Um, and I, it is hard to get people to just peer over your shoulder, which is the purpose of peer review, right? Hold you to account with peers who know what you're doing and where you're going off the rails. I totally um, respect that process and think that it's worthwhile and helpful. And also, it is most nice when you can pay people for their, for their time, right? And so, yeah, I have a handful of friends and peers and colleagues who would be able to do that. Um, but none of them happen to have the space in their life or feel the calling in their life to set aside a couple hours a week um, to to do this work. So at some point in the future, sure, maybe we'll totally um, not opposed to adding a host who can hold me to account. Um, And uh, that's just not something that we have in our capabilities at this time. Um, So yes, it is always good to keep in mind that I don't have somebody doing that. And so just take everything I say with a grain of salt.
0: Yeah. And it's also fair to say, too, like if there are specific words where you're like, man, I wonder why Al has translated these this way in particular. Those are great listener questions. Yeah. And, you know, we can throw them out on our mailbox episodes (laughs) and you guys can all peer review our responses to (laughs) those things
1: you know and the other people that are holding me to account are the other translators right it's not that i'm the only translation out there and i'm trying to impose my translation upon everybody else um there's a whole host of other options that people have published that are out there in the world um that you can compare with yep okay thank you for the question Here we go. We're digging into Exodus with the next one.
0: We are. So our next listener question is going to come from April. Thank you for emailing us, April. Uh, And here's what April has to say. I had a question about a statement made in Exodus chapter 12a. So that's the episode around the 24-minute mark. A comment about how Moses sometimes freestyled with God's words when he spoke to Pharaoh. Uh, So, can we provide some examples of that? Can we uh, show where when God seems to say X, Y, Z, and then the text went on as if those were s- things were said, where are some examples exactly of where that is freestyling?
1: Uh, she goes on to compare how is this freestyling the same or different from when the woman speaks to the serpent at the tree. Some people have accused her of messing up God's words and further heap shame upon her. But the text doesn't say how she learned about God's words. It could have been for lots of reasons. And she's received undeserved condemnation from our present culture. And Moshe gets a free pass. Thoughts? lots of layers there in this question april it's great and
0: also it's easy to get a free pass when you wrote the book
1: (laughs) (laughs) as tradition says rabbis say that moshe couldn't have written all of tanakh Um, but that's a different topic for a different time so exodus 12a you will proceed a few podcasts from now april um I believe we'll get to the section where um, Moshe changes a bit of what God says mm-hmm. about Bechor, about um, the firstborn and how God said whatever first opens the womb. And then Moshe comes down the mountain. And he says the first male, Zachar, that opens the womb is the firstborn, is the chosen. Um, so that's the example that we pull on um, pretty frequently as as an example of that freestyling. But even when with Pedo, you know, um, in those sections, when we pay attention, God will say say this, and then Moshe will add a little intro or a little outro on that. And yes, he has escaped condemnation, partially because, um, you know, we haven't been reading very carefully. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes the translation makes it more difficult to tell, like in the case of the firstborn conversation, but other times it doesn't. And we're just not comparing line for line very carefully because it's like, oh, yeah, it's the same thing. Blah, 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 blah. Um, however, I would say that it's not necessarily a bum, 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 how dare he? And I'll talk about Eve uh, in a moment, but um because. God says often the formula is this is like what you shall say in right. the Hebrew, ka amar, not just amar, um, which is the word for to say it's ka amar, this is like what you should say. Um, which certainly encapsulates the experience of the prophets, right? Because they're always being whisked into some other dimension and they're trying to convey like, this is what feels like was happening, but there is a lot going on. Right, <laughs> you know, Lots of people singing with crazy spiritual beings with lots of wings and eyeballs and wheels. Um, so it kind of fits with that. I think um, certainly in some spaces I do not appreciate at least Moshe freestyling about who can be the chosen child right Um, that annoys me particularly with mindsets of biases and frustrations Um, but it's possible that God knows that prophets um, they're chosen for a reason, with their particular makeup and their particular spiritual uh, mantles that they're given, and so God always says, "Thus says the Lord." Like this says the Lord, on purpose, because it's like, hey, you're receiving it through a human. Yeah. Sometimes the soup gets uh, changed in flavor a little bit by the vessel, right? Um, yeah. So, so yeah. yes, condemnation, but also maybe not necessary.
0: Right. And if you want to see a specific text passage where some of that comes up, if you go to ex- Exodus chapter 20 to verse 22, we have an example of where Yahweh said to Moshe, this is like what you will say. Right. Um, so there's a verse that has that implied in there that God is going to speak to, to Moshe. And then Moshe is supposed to deliver that uh, to the people uh in the way that he feels like God is calling him to deliver it. It's yeah. kind, of, kind of the way that rolls.
1: That's at least one interpretation. It's the one that I'm taking um, because I don't know why else God would include the prefix ka. He could have just said, say this, and he doesn't. Um, I'm sure there are other interpretations that are perfectly um, valid as well. But great question, which brings us to Eve. So I definitely think that it is messed up that we, or broader Christian church, and the history of reception is what we call that like the history of exegesis is called reception history however we received this story over time and certainly anytime there is a woman present there are lots of wild pot shots to be taken but one of them that's stuck for a long time is how messed up Eve is and um, perhaps that was the reading the particular interpretation some of us grew up with some of us grew up with like all the onus being put on Adam like hey Adam was supposed to tell her and he didn't tell her properly other people have pointed out if we go with the Jewish midrashic interpretation that the first creation story he male and female he created them and it's like one side of the being is a man and the other side the being is a woman then they were both there when he said that you know Um. so in general I think it would. Could stand for us to be more empathetic readers, and um, certainly we should pay attention anytime anybody doing any kind of interpretation seems to be heaping a pile of um, condemnation on one particular character. Right. We have a message from Jonathan asking for a few um, translation usages. So George a while back said, "Hey, give a shout out for some versions that you'd love to see comparisons with." um, Two that I like and that will probably start off going forward. Um, He suggested the Tanakh by JPS, the Jewish Publication Society. I think that's a great choice. They make some really lovely decisions, Um, and he also feels like a challenge here lays out uh, the Hebrew Bible by Robert Alter, um, which is very fun. I have the volumes of Alter on the shelf right now staring at me. Um, I often, if I'm stuck on something or I'm trying to figure something out and I don't I'm feel suspicious about um, who I'm looking at, I'll go over, pop over and see what Alter's up to and um, have some vigorous one-sided arguments with him and his footnotes uh so yeah we can certainly do that i think going forward at least for the le- rest of exodus we'll do altar we'll do the jps and then i want to throw the rsv or some updated version of the rsv yeah um and because that one was Put together by the World Ecumenical Council, which has Protestants on and it's got Christians on. Christians, wow!
0: Yeah, Protestants and <laughs> Christians. Oh my goodness!
1: <laughs> <laughs> Protestants and Catholics came together to work on that one. It's used by a lot of the mainline denominations, um, and so while Evangelicals like to hang out in the NIV, the ESV, and some of our Fundy friends like the KJV, and apparently that's me now too, based on our analysis. Um, but I think we're going to try that trio for a while. So thank you for those suggestions, Jonathan. Put me up next to altar is pretty scary, but, uh, but it should be good.
0: Yeah, and we've got more suggestions from people. We're going to be uh, switching out translations. Probably every time we do a mailbox episode, we'll start cycling. And that way, we'll have a lot of fun. We'll get to see a lot of different comparisons, and I'm excited for it. Yeah, it's, You know, I... I Personally, love jumping between different translations, and not hanging out in one for too long. So yeah, uh, yeah, I'm I'm here for it.
1: Should be fun. Okay, what does Josh say? Yes,
0: our next listener question comes from Josh, uh, and he pointed out that we listed quite a few differences between the translation and the NIV, and. Looking at the end of verse 26 of Exodus 15, he asks, how would you describe God as healer? Uh, he brings up, Yesenius describes it as being a sower, um, and that is an onomatopoeia for something sowing rapidly. And so I'll let L take the lead on that.
1: Yeah. Um, so why did I go with um, healer rather than sower? that would be totally fine. That's a totally valid, um, translation to take. Josh, I'd be okay with that. To me, uh, I'm looking at the Jesenius now. Um, the underlying picture under sewing is still healing because why are we sewing? Um, even though there's this great quote in there by Luther, um, the cobblers of our Lord, which I kind of like, but, um, Uh, we don't see rafa being used around mending things other than people's bodies. Um, It's continually used throughout the text, um, specifically to talk about people who are healing humans. Um, And so to me, the deeper picture is still healing rather than sewing. Sewing is more image-driven, so I I like that. Um, It's more like
0: a stitcher.
1: Yes. Yeah, that would be fine. That would be a fine translation. Um, and the other reason that I went with it is um, that it's just straightforward healer in Arabic, um, which we always want to pay attention to Arabic. It's right. one of the big sister languages of Hebrew, even though it gets overlooked sometimes. But you already know that because you're reading Jesenius, which is great. Um, but yeah, that would be a perfectly good, valid translation. I would be happy to read that.
0: All right, so our next question comes from uh, Bibi who asks about do we have a link to support the podcast financially? Um, and that's very kind. Thank you for your
1: interest. It is
0: very kind. And it's a great question because we don't currently have one on our podcast set up.
1: Right, we don't have a giant button flo- floating somewhere that says "Donate Here." Um, we don't have any of those kinds of mechanisms at that this time. Um, we might at some point in the future, um, but the reason that we haven't yet uh, is I have been working on getting the print version available for purchase of the translation I have a publisher there's a contract it is coming out the only thing that happened um is I got a pretty severe concussion <laughs> and I've been working through post-concussion syndrome um, since that time and it's made reading very challenging <laughs> and it takes hours and hours of reading to do the kind of edits um and the careful extra spotlights that I wanna put on something that's going out into the market for purchase right? Um, for eternity, not actually for eternity, but you know what I'm saying. Um, And so we would love if you would consider at that time financially supporting us through purchasing the print translation, we get so many requests for those. So I'm really trying to get get it out, um, mostly as a study tool for everyone. Um, that they could enjoy having in their hands um, to read along with us. But in the meantime, um, if you still want to financially support us while you wait for that book to come out, which we are making sure is reasonably priced, um, the Texting Us does have a P.O. box. So if you would really like, you can feel free to send something to the Texting Us uh, P.O. box, which is the following P.O. box 33. Uniontown, Washington.
0: 99179.
1: That's right. My concussion (laughs) prohibited me from remembering the zip code for the P.O. box. Okay. Thank you so much. Uh, No pressure. But if you would really like to bless us, that's the way to do it right now. And I am looking forward to carving out some time um, after my concussion therapies have all ceased. So I have been freed. Thank you again for your heart in that. All right. David asks, what are your thoughts on the pronunciation of the Tetragrammaton? Um, Y H W H Yahweh Yehovah at all. Thanks. This is a great question. It is. So the Hebrew letters that spell God's name are the following. Yud, Hey, Vav. Hey, uh, And so what has happened in the evolution of translations over time, like the reason we have Jehovah is because Germans were the, Germany was really the hub of theological research for Christians for a couple hundred years. Um, They came up with the documentary hypothesis that was kind of, you know, the beginning of the end for Germans.
0: Okay. (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
1: But they did a lot of their work for us in translation. um, And in German, you have a lot of the J letter, right? Um, That gets pronounced in various ways. But so they put Js everywhere all through the text for where there are Ys because that's how Germans um, were (laughs) trans. Yeah. Yeah, for them, that's how you say Yahweh, right? But then when the English... Are reading the German, then we all of a sudden are saying Jehovah. Um, So alas, um, the vowels are always made up, right? Um, But that still leaves the last question, which is why have I written and been saying for all this time Yahweh, rather than if we're going to be as tied as possible to the Hebrew, shouldn't be Yahweh, right? because it's vave, not mm. a W. Mm-hmm. So the thing in the Hebrew is that um, Hebrew, like we just said, is a sister language to Arabic. And Arabic has a lot more sounds than Hebrew did does today. And as Hebrew evolved, it dropped some of its sounds. So, there's a couple of characters that have the same sound as one another, and that's because they used to sound different. Um, and you can still find remnants of that in the story, like the Shibboleth story that we have. Yeah. There is a Judean dialect and an Israeli dialect, the Northern Kingdom and the Southern Kingdom dialect, um, which is also an inside joke amongst linguists and historians of. Um, biblical Hebrew because if you've come up with any anomaly you can always be like it's the dialect <laughs>
0: change <laughs> it's, the, it's the classic answer right it's like whenever they find a random object and they don't know what it does yeah. it's probably for a ritual yes
1: cultic same exact archaeological bucket you throw it in sure that's what it is um anyway so Yahweh reflects that older pronunciation style than a more modern version would be Yahweh now are we consistent with that down the line so David's name would not be David it would be Dawid instead with a W so that's more on me for not holding that older sounds all the time but also like when I preach even though I say Yisrael and Yerushalayim I still say Jesus rather than Yeshua Um, and for me That's a little bit because I think the way that things got um engraved on our heart matters. It doesn't always need to be shifted. And for many of us, Jerusalem isn't something that's a deeply meaningful thing um (laughs) that we pray to. Hopefully that's not the case. But the name of Jesus is. Um and so to be more correct isn't as important to me in that kind of case. Um but yes, Yahweh is older than Yahweh if that's where you're coming from. And Jehovah is just taking that german tradition and switching the j to a y so yes that's the idea long convoluted answer i apologize nicholas what does nicholas have to say
0: nicholas has another text recommendation for us which Mm. is the new jerusalem bible
1: that's a pretty good one i also have that on my shelf um, passed down to me from my grandfather. I always think it's interesting to um, turn the page over to a Catholic perspective. The yeah. oh Boy, how do you pronounce that? The the Do-Rhymes Bible? D-O-U-A-Y? I have no idea how to pronounce that. I'd have to call Brent Billings to tell me how to pronounce that. He grew up Catholic. Yeah. Um, and I've heard him say it before and it just didn't stick in my brain. I remember thinking, oh, that's how you say that. And then I moved on. Um, yes, absolutely. At some point, we'll have to loop that one on in. Maybe we'll trade it out instead of the RSV. I don't know. Well, we'll have to freestyle just like Moshe and Eve or potentially Adam. Okay. Um, Tobias says, I have two sons. What Bible do you recommend I read to them? <laughs> And he also has a great joke in there. Um, So this kind of depends on your kiddos and your sense of your kids. And their age. And their age. I um, have a one-year-old and a three-year-old, and I read to them a Bible version that I grew up with um, that is much older than they are. (laughs) Um, uh,
0: And kids' Bibles are tough.
1: Kids' Bibles are tough. Um, I've been working on the edit process for a children's Bible that's coming out next year, which is called The Book of Belonging. You can look it up online. It got started uh, via Kickstarter and got picked up by Penguin. It'll be published this year, and I really think it's an amazing work. Um, But it's not out yet, and you asked for translation of the Bible. No, you didn't. You just said what Bible. So it's up to you. I am very suspicious of most children's Bibles for a variety of reasons. I really like just being in the text. Um, obviously, I'm biased toward the one that I worked on for a variety of reasons yeah. that you can read about online. Mark is doing an amazing job. Um, but yeah, um, whatever reading level feels appropriate to you, um, I would go toward and... Um,
0: Yeah. And I would say, too, like, um, you know, one of the things that we do is we just read to our kids from our Bible. And it's not that we've chosen a children's translation, uh, but it's sharing with them our passion for the text. Right. And Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways, that has a, a good amount of weight to it when your kids are listening. If there's something that you're excited about and engaged with they end up being excited and engaged with it alongside of you. Most of the time. Most Most of the time. time. It's not 100%. Our three-year-old
1: isn't always thrilled. Uh, But yeah, and if you have drawbacks or considerations about a particular translation, you know, you can model that of being like, hmm, I wonder if that's what it says in this version. Let's check. You can model that. But I just go with what you're comfortable with, what feels like home to you, and maybe that's what you grew up with, and maybe it's not. Okay, last thing here, Diane has asked for a breakdown that I'm going to try to do quickly because we've covered it before, but I get it, it's confusing, Um, of some of the names of God. Why are they the way that they are? Um, What do they signify? Are they interchangeable? Um, Okay, so the four words that we sometimes see being names for God or used about God, we have... Yahweh, Yahweh, whichever you'd prefer. We have Elohim. We have El and we have Adonai. So what do each of those mean? Um, Yahweh, God says is his name in his conversation with Moshe. And it's right Right. after he says that his name is Ihiyeh Asher Ihiyeh, which means uh, I will be what I will be but because time is fluid in Hebrew, that's why people change it to, I am what I am, or I am what I will be, or all the different iterations. But it really most flatly says, I will be what I will be. Um, So that's what Yahweh means. El and Elohim. El is the singular form. Elohim has a feminine ending with a masculine plural ending stacked on top of each other. But El is the word that we usually translate God and it will appear with a suffix on it sometimes, like El Alion means God Most High. We have um, El Rafa, God who heals, El Shaddai, who knows what that one is. Go back to our episode. Um, But that is our word for God, and sometimes we see it without its feminine ending, but only when it's talking about false gods. We'll see Elim, that's talking about false gods. So you can see El, and that can be for God. You can see Elohim. And that is another title that God uses about God's self. It sometimes has a the on the front, which in my opinion does not refer to God, but rather refers to the spiritual beings, ha Elohim, the Elohim, um, And we see it used in very clear not-God ways in different spots. Sometimes we see it about idols. Sometimes we see it about the divine council. Sometimes we see it when it seems to be talking about like Egyptian deities. We see it in a variety of ways. So we have uh, Yahweh, El Elohim, and then the final one is Adonai, um, which just means my Lord. Um, And that can be used about a human when you're referring to a patronage structure, or it can be referring to God when talking about a patronage structure. And we're really going to see Adonai show up a lot in our um, legal codes that we're about to start reading about humans. So yeah. um, those are the four the four names. Hopefully that's helpful to hear them all bunched together like that. Thanks for the clarifying question, Diane. Please continue to send your questions. We so enjoy hearing them um, to text in us at gmail.com. No definite article, just like God's name.
0: Right. Yep.
1: <laughs> no, that texting us, just texting us at gmail.com. We love hearing from you guys um, and checking in. I hope our answers were helpful. Thank you for all your kindness and the uh, generous things that you include in the email that we didn't read out Uh, yep. And we'll pick back up in chapter 21 to read some interesting things, discern some things about the character of God from, um, his version of justice that he lays out.
0: It's going to be good. Right. This has been the Texting Us podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. And we hope that you will join us again next week for Exodus chapter 21. Bye.